Hello everyone, I'm Dennis and this is Shiv Valley, a show about Sheffield startups. The podcast for Sheffield startup ecosystem, its most exciting founders and startups, and much more. As promised, the episode is coming out today, Monday, March 29th, and it is with Erdemus Turk from Productive Machines. Erdem came to Sheffield a while ago now and has been part of the AMRC, the Advanced Manufacturing Research Center. In January, he started Productive Machines as he identified gaps in the market that he can solve. Listen to my talk with him. There is a slight issue with his sound in the beginning, but it's only for the first couple of seconds. And stay till the end to learn when the next episode is coming out. And now enjoy the show. I'm here today with Erdemus Turk from Productive Machines. How are you, Erdem? I'm fine. Thank you, Denisla. How are you? Yes, very good. Thanks. A really good morning here in here in Sheffield. Thanks, thanks a lot for of, uh, for accepting my invitation. And so I want to start by asking you about your professional life prior to Productive Machines. I finished my PhD in Sabancı University in Istanbul in 2010. Then I started to work for the Advanced Manufacturing Research Center at the University of Sheffield. I founded a group called Machining Dynamics Technology Group there and grew it to 20 people, including staff members and PhD students. students. In 2019, I moved to another role, which was about looking after the digital machining team at AMRC. Digital machining is an emerging team. It's about employing digital twins for optimization of machining processes. Currently, product emissions takes most of my time. However, I still have a part-time role at AMRC. I understand. And as you graduated school in university, are you are you originally from Turkey, by the way? Yes, I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey. Great. By the way, my father is a huge fan of Istanbul as a city. I haven't personally been able to visit it, but he's been there a couple of times and he absolutely loves it. So it's a bit of a you know personal goal of mine to, to visit it, hopefully when... You know when we can travel again. So, just wanted to ask you if you could tell me a little bit more about uh, differences that you find between education in Turkey in the and in the UK. Is there is it like really different, or would you say that uh, there are not many things that uh, that you found as differences? So, I haven't been a student in in UK, so oh. I, 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 it's difficult for me to compare the like education in terms of the student perspective. But I have taught at the at Turkey and also I have taught courses in UK. Yeah. I think uh, there's very large differences in terms of how we, how the things are taught. It also depends on the university. So for example, I had taught in a private university in Turkey, which was quite young. And I think the professors or whoever are, are teaching the courses have more freedom. There's a bit of structure, but it's, it's not as structured as we have it in UK. And especially the marking uh, process in the UK is quite intensive for the academics. So I think ma- marking also is, a, is an area where there are a lot of differences as well. And I say marking, the difference in the time commitment in the marking. So the, in UK, people spend much more time and energy on marking uh, written papers compared to my experience in, in Turkey. I understand. Yeah, that's actually very, very, very interesting too. To learn because that shows a profound difference in the in the way universities conduct conduct their work. But let's move to productive machines now. This is the focus of today's conversation, and so I'm really interested to learn 
why did you decide to start productive machines and what are, what is the problem that you're looking to solve uh, throughout my time at amic i have identified three main problems in the industry these were productivity sustainability and skills gap let me expand on them a little bit although we have demonstrated the impacts of physics-based simulations in many, in many case studies not all the companies in the industry are benefit, benefiting from these techniques yet. Hence, it is common to use an experimental trial and error approach. Unfortunately, it is an expensive process to do trials on actual machines. It results in productivity losses, errors lead to scrap parts, and, and hence it results in waste. Moreover, it's not efficient use of resources. The sustainability is high in the agenda for companies. The waste due to scrap parts and inefficient use of resources are not the things we can afford moving ahead. Another problem is the skills gap. Many companies do not have in-house expertise in machine process optimization using physics-based models. The machine tools generate valuable data while they cut parts. However, this data goes to waste. In order to address these problems, we are developing a digital team-based learning platform as we started to product machines. Okay, and could you explain a little more to me and our listeners what is a digital twin and how could it be beneficial to businesses? In general, digital twin is the digital representation of a physical thing. In our context in machining, digital twin is the representation of the physics of the machining process in a, in a digital environment. The added benefit of a digital twin compared to a process model is that the digital twin is fed with actual data about the process. There are two-way interaction between the digital twin and the real world. Firstly, the real world data is used to increase the accuracy of the digital twin. Secondly, process monitoring solutions require reference data for monitoring a process. Companies currently need to produce teaching parts first for monitoring a process. However, an accurate digital twin eliminates this need. Hence, companies can start process monitoring on the first part with a digital twin. We applied the digital twin we developed in two companies. Moza Aerospace used the solution on an aerostructure. They achieved productivity improvement, waste reduction, and cost savings. Renault in France applied the solution on a gearbox housing and on a motor case. They also achieved productivity improvements and cost savings. Okay, and by the way, you say that sustainability is also a problem that you identified or you're part of uh, AMRC. But when you say that sustainability is a focus, what is in particular that you're trying to achieve in terms of sustainability and how? We are committed to the sustainable development goals set by the United Nations. The 12th goal is about responsible production. Hence, we are keen to help companies decrease the waste due to scrap parts and reworks. We want to minimize the inefficient use of resources resulting from the, from the experimental trial, trial and error approach. How do we do this? We use the digital thing of the machining process to optimize the processes in a digital environment instead of a trial and error approach on a machine tool. Our optimization process does the iterations on a computer rather than on a machine tool. So this is a more, more, more sustainable way of optimizing the machining processes. Yeah, that sounds like a huge difference maker. And also, Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've understood from what you're saying is that while there are already very innovative tools in the field of manufacturing that could help potentially with sustainability, uh, they are not uh, highly utilized 
by the by the mass production. Would you say that in some way productive machines could be democratizing uh, the uses, for example, of, of digital twins? And how much of a difference could that make with with smaller businesses? So there are some digital twins in the market, but most of them are looking to the geometry of the process. And there are a limited number of companies, I would say two or three companies, who can look to the mechanics of the process. But we are also looking to the dynamics of the process. And basically, we are looking to a problem called chatter vibrations, which is a big problem for machining companies, because these vibrations cause surface quality issues on the part. And these, if these vibrations happen, the parts may go into scrap. So that's our unique selling point where we can also consider the dynamics of the process to avoid the service quality issues. So as I mentioned, the SMEs do not have access to this technique so far. So we have a plan to work with five early adapters for our technology this year, and we will pick some SMEs so that we can demonstrate the benefits to them. And hopefully we will grow our customers based with the potential successes we will achieve with them at the, late, at the later stages. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, nothing beats a few positive case studies. So I think that it sounds like you've identified a real, a real gap in the area and seems like a lot of potential for growth. And actually, this has already been illustrated because you joined the Boeing Accelerator cohort. I saw on your website and I actually saw a post on LinkedIn about it yesterday. I think yesterday was the first day, right? Uh, yesterday was the demo day. So okay. we presented what we have done in the program. The program is going to finish next week. So we basically summarize what we have done in the program to the to a general audience. And we had some follow-up sessions uh, after. So we will book some meetings uh, with interested people after the event. I understand. And when I saw the cohort, it's a lot of businesses from around the UK, from, from London. And I think you're the only representative from Sheffield. So could you just tell us what does what does being part of this cohort means for productive machines and what are the benefits of being part of the Boeing Accelerator? Sure. It was an important milestone for us, first of all. It has had many benefits. I will just name a few here. It has given us additional credibility as we were one of the 10 startups selected around 200 companies from 40 countries. So there are people from Australia, USA, Germany, New Zealand. And in the program, we have been given access to mentors who have years of experience in the areas re relevant to startups. These areas range from marketing strategy to raising investment. We have met with key people in Boeing, GKN, and Rolls-Royce who are the sponsors of the program. And we are discussing proof of value projects with them. Boeing Horizon X decided to invest in productive machines. This funding will be key to develop our first product. And of course, we had the opportunity to interact with nine other startups in the cohort and learn from their experiences. Okay, and you said that the program finishes next week or starts next week? I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch, catch that. Uh, it will finish next week. It started on January 11th. Oh, okay. It was a 12-week period. It was an intense learning experience for us. Yeah. So it's coming to an end. So we are... We, we have really like worked work hard because as you, as you imagine, we have a day job and also we have a job to uh, improve our pro processes or improve, or improve our growth and learning in the accelerator. So it was a very, very intense period. 
Yeah. No, I could imagine being part of this accelerator being like the dream of a of a startup that is looking to improve manu manufacturing. And by the way, talking about manufacturing, what are the current trends in 2021 that you identify? Uh, following the pandemic, the manufacturing companies will aim to bounce back. Production rates have decreased considerably during the pandemic. I expect rates will return to the pre-COVID rates slowly, depending on how the pandemic, pandemic restrictions are, are eased. Sustainability, we mentioned before, will be continue to be an important topic for the companies. In the ATI Boeing Accelerator, we met with Chris Raymond, who is the Chief Sustainability Officer of Boeing Company. He is the first person to have that role in the company. I expect companies will start to create such roles in the executive levels in the future. Okay, so you think that sustainability is going to be the driving factor in the changes? Yes. Oh, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And actually, I could quite relate to that because I joined I joined Amazon uh, in, in January. And, you know, Amazon is the biggest uh, e-commerce company in the world, and they committed to the climate pledge in 2019. And it's just very, it's very exciting how companies like Boeing and Amazon are taking up these huge challenges. And I'm sure that's going to lead uh, as a trend in their whole respective industries. So that's very good to hear. And talking about 2021, can you tell me more about productive machines? Where are you staying currently? And what are the plans for this year and maybe the next one? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we'll be finishing the ATI Boeing Accelerator next week. Uh, as a next step, we have planned to do five proof of value projects with five oil adapter companies. We will release our first product through the end of the year. And we are applying for several grants now to, to make some of the technologies we have been developing for some time. So these will be the core areas that we will focus on. I'm actually quite interested to learn how, how did you find yourself in Yorkshire? So you obviously came here and you uh, became, you said, the director of AMRC, right? No, I, I wasn't the director of AMRC. I was uh, I was leading a technology group called Machining Dynamics Technology. No, apology for misunderstanding. Yes. So, how did you? Why did you decide to move from Istanbul to Yorkshire? And how do you find the business and startup environment here? So I had finished my PhD in Istanbul, and in fact, I was finishing. So before I finished, I was talking to different companies, universities as a potential next step. And I heard about Advanced Manufacturing Research Center who by a mentor of mine, and he suggested that I contact the center. And then I, I did, and we had some phone conversations and then I visited them. This was around 2009. And in 2010, I got the job and I started working for the Advanced Manufacturing Research Center. Basically, I found myself in Sheffield because the Advanced Manufacturing Research Center was based in Sheffield. <laughs> so that, that, that was the main reason. And at the time, the only thing I knew about Sheffield before I visited Sheffield was Sheffield Wednesday. And when I was a kid, I used to play football games with my Commodore 64 and Sheffield Wednesday was one of the popular teams at the time. Yeah. So my knowledge was basically limited to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. No, I can relate to that. Uh, when I came to Sheffield, I didn't know a lot about the city uh, too. I knew I knew the football teams because I am as well a football fan. But yeah, completely relate. And tell me, like it's been ten years now. Do you 
do you like Sheffield? I mean, the difference between Sheffield and Istanbul is staggering. Istanbul is what around 20 million in population? Yeah, around 18 million, maybe now. Yeah. That's insane. And Sheffield is, I think, at Edmax, they're around 600,000. So tell me how you find moving from such a huge megapolis to a big city, but not as big as, as the one you lived before. Yeah, yeah, it's a big change. Uh, yeah, I am used to the way of life in Istanbul. I also lived in Ankara for my uh, bachelor degree for five years. And Ankara is like three million. And Ankara seemed very small to me yeah. <laughs> when I compared Istanbul and Ankara. And another thing I, I realized that sea is very important for me. So Ankara was in the middle of Turkey. There was no sea there. So you cannot like feel the sea or yeah. feel the waves, that kind of things. And yeah, so that was the main reason I returned to Istanbul after my bachelor degree. But when I got, got here, of course, there is no sea here as well. So that's something I missed a lot. And and also it's very small. There are only a few places you can go and spend time. And after a couple of months, then it starts repeating itself. <laughs> I think those are the main challenges. And first two years I was alone here. And then once, once I got married, my wife moved from Netherlands to UK, uh, to Sheffield. And then I think the first few years was really challenging because I don't think we have really adapted to Sheffield. But things changed after we had kids. Now we have, we have two kids. And I think Sheffield is a nice place to grow a family. So, yeah, I think there is a before and after difference. Uh, so we had, we, were different, we had different thoughts before we had kids. And now we are thinking differently once yeah. we have the kids. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And it's a great great city for family. And I got to tell you, it's a great great city for young people as well. I came, I came here as a student. And I'm living now here as a as a young young professional, and just what I what I love about it is how many different parks there are. Genuinely, you know, I have a, an amazing park next to me, and just when I, I'm working currently from home, just the feeling of going uh, to the park after work and you know just reading a book, having a run, feels nice, and it just feels like a very calm and uh, and relaxed city. What yeah, about the business? Yeah, and what about the business and startup environment? So you set up productive machines. Was it was it easy? Did you find the process stressful? Did you receive a lot of support? I think founding a business and startup is a stressful process. It's, I wouldn't say it's easy and straightforward. Yeah. Especially the founding has not been a straightforward process for us at all. I initially aimed to deliver some training programs to generate revenue for productive machines. As they were hands-on trainings, unfortunately, pandemic didn't let this happen. Yeah. And afterwards, after we realized that we were going to be able to generate revenue from the training, I talked to many people to learn more about the funding opportunities in Sheffield. And Sheffield Growth Up has introduced me to several advisors. They were helpful in explaining what funding opportunities were available. Unfortunately, there wasn't any funding available for a startup like us to kickstart the development. Then we learned about the ATI Bring Accelerator. They were providing both mentorship and funding. Hence, it was a very attractive offer for us. Yeah. yeah, that sounds very good. And I was actually going to ask you about, about funding. Obviously, when you want to build such a, such a promising and such a, a innovative technology in productive machines, you need, you need to start with funding. What have been the challenges and what have been the successes 
And also, what would you advise startups in your position uh, that are looking to raise money? Yeah, I think f f f finding the right funding is quite hard. So they need to spend, the startup founders need to spend a lot of time looking for the opportunities and then see whether they are a right fit or not. In terms of the best advice I can give uh, for funding at this stage is that I recommend startups to follow the social media accounts and newsletters of the potential founders and investors because usually they publish uh, these opportunities on the social media channels or with the newsletters or talk to many people as much as they can. This way they will be up to date about the funding opportunities that are coming in the near, to, near future. Another recommendation for me is that the funding process can take much longer than planned. And starting early and having some buffer time in their plans can really help. Yeah, I could relate to the last one. I think that's uh, giving yourself some buffer time, but always well, very beneficial in the long term. And now actually, if you would, uh, if you're okay with them, shall we move to the five questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of, of an episode? Yeah, sure. So first is about uh, you recommending a book that you think every entrepreneur or future founder should read. Yeah, so I, I got some books when I was in this journey with the product machines. I think particularly one of them has been quite helpful. It's called Lean, it's called as Lean Startup. That book changed our approach to our minimum viable product. We realized that we already had the minimum viable product while we were working on developing one. And in fact, we were working on our first product rather than the minimum viable product. So I think we were confusing some investors when we were talking, yeah. talking our like plans. And but, but by reading that book and by also getting the feedback from the investors, we realized that we already had the MVP. So I recommend that book to the uh, founders. Yeah, surely. By the way, this book has been recommended a couple of times on the podcast already. It just proves it's its viability again. It's, it is a must read book for everyone that wants to build their startup. Now, the second question is about the name. So Productive Machines, it's kind of self-explanatory, but why did you decide to call it Productive Machines exactly? Yeah, I am glad to hear your feedback on that. Uh, I want the company name that will describe what we do clearly. Uh, we have companies to have Productive Machines, and so I think Productive Machines was the right name for us. But yeah, yeah based on your feedback, I think we are <laughs> getting uh, we are on the right way we yeah. have made the right decision oh absolutely absolutely I mean, I mean it speaks it speaks volumes about what 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 you want to do so i guess if if that's what you wanted to do it was definitely a successful approach now my third question you said that you had your kind of on and off relationship with uh, with sheffield you didn't like it so much at the beginning now you started to like it would you recommend a place in she in sheffield that you think everyone should visit yeah of course uh, with my family, we have been either going to Antcliffe Park or Willow Brook Hall to spend time outdoors, especially during these pandemic times. Uh, Antcliffe Park can be busy sometimes, hence the park and walking trail around Willow Brook Hall are my recommended places. Definitely, I will visit Antcliffe Park probably, probably this weekend because I've been going to Western Park, which is the one next to my place, too much and, you know, you can get... A, uh, even going to just the same park to get a bit tedious, so I might switch and go to Enfield this weekend. Now, my next question is a little bit more philosophical, and it's basically if you had 15 minutes with your 20-year-old self, 
what would you tell him? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think I will make reference to a famous slogan. You know Nike company? They have yes. this Just Do It slogan. I think it's very important to apply it in daily life. Of course, planning the actions in, in advance helps. However, every step in the journey is teaching us something and it's not possible to, to plan everything in advance. Hence, my recommendation to my 20-year-old self would be to just start doing something even if you have a rough plan at the time. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that you can you can plan all you want, but in the end of the day, if you don't if you don't start building, if you don't start doing, nothing is going to change. And now my last question for you, Erdem, is for you to tell me one big, hairy, and audacious goal for productive machines. Uh, we aim to be a global leader in machine process optimization software market by the end of 2025. So we have five years, roughly five years to achieve that. With the product you have and with the knowledge you have acquired throughout your career, I'm absolutely confident that you could do that until 2025. Thanks so much for your time, Ardem. Okay, thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Ardem. I certainly have my knowledge gaps when it comes to manufacturing, so it was great to learn about Digital Twins and the Boeing Accelerator program. Now, as promised, the next date for an episode is next Monday, the 5th of April. Write it down or subscribe wherever you're listening to to make sure you don't miss it. Also subscribe on Twitter to get updates for episodes and also some cool recommendations on books and resources to build your startup. Of course, you can always connect with me on my personal LinkedIn as well. Links are all in the show notes. She Valley is supported by Sheffield Technology Parks. They are a massive help in me publishing episodes, so thanks to them and thanks to all of you for listening. Wishing you a great day and until next time.